0: Readers tend to like a character who is at least superficially like themselves, but they quickly lose interest unless this particular character is somehow out of the ordinary. Orson Scott Card. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots, I'm Lee Holt. And I'm Lee Esses. Happy December. Yay. We hope you had a good Thanksgiving and are looking forward to all of the festive holidays that are happening this month. As we do in December, we are doing a Frequently Asked Questions series. So we've taken your questions that you've submitted, we've taken questions that we see commonly when we are in writing forums and other places, questions that we get asked a lot, and trying to answer them here quickly and succinctly so that you know where to go, where to move forward. So what is today's question?
1: How descriptive are you with characters and landscape appearances? When do you describe them? And what about the sequel? Do you describe them then also?
0: So let's take this from the beginning. How descriptive do you get with character and landscape appearances?
1: My answer, as little as possible.
0: There are different approaches to the idea of describing characters, and it is somewhat genre-specific. But most experienced authors will agree on a couple of things, and one of those is you do not ever give a head-to-toe description just because.
1: Yeah, it's not often your character is going to stand in front of a mirror and notice the color of their own eyes. No. (laughs) If anything, people tend to be self-critical. They're going to dislike something about themselves unless they're an incredibly vain character.
0: So it does depend on the character. That's the other thing experienced authors can agree on. It depends on the character, what they notice, and what they would describe. So when do you describe characters? And this will go into how descriptive you get.
1: When I am describing any character, it's almost never from that character's point of view. He is noticing her across the room. She is checking somebody out.
0: It depends on the point of view, but you need to have a specific reason for describing the character in that moment. Think about the last time you met someone. How much about them did you notice? Did you really go full creeper and do a full body scan, taking note of every aspect of their body?
1: I really hope if you do this, there is some sort of comedic twist at the end. You're looking at her from the back and across the bar. You see the fantastic stiletto heels that perfectly match the short skirt and the long legs in between, the slender waist you get up to the front. The character turns around and full beard or something just completely off
0: the wall. It was like, oh,
1: okay, we're, we're, we're going on a different path here.
0: Again, that's a specific plot device to use there. Number one, your readers don't want to be overwhelmed with description. It gets boring. And number two, the more vague you are, especially with your main character, the more connected your reader can feel to them.
1: I would say most of the time, if I'm describing a character, that character is probably going to die in the length of the scene. This is mostly because I don't want to name guard one and guard two. So I'm going to say the fat one and the one with the stupid hair. They aren't going to last long. Not long enough for me to name them, but if they have two different bits of choreography, they need to be differentiated. Therefore, physical attributes are an easy way to do that.
0: So another time to describe that goes along with there's a specific reason is if there's something atypical about that character's body. Maybe they're missing an eye. Maybe they have severe scars on their face or some kind of disfigurement that stands out that will catch your main character's eye first.
1: Again, when your character is noticing something about themselves, it's rarely going to be a positive note because that's how a lot of people are, especially if your main character at the beginning of your story is going to believe a lie about themselves. I just had a scene where my character caught a glimpse of herself in a mirror and she immediately turned away because she doesn't like what she
0: sees. When it comes to your main character's hair color, that kind of stuff there needs to be a reason for it. So for my main character in my last book, because she likes to dye her hair, she has black hair with emerald highlights. There's a scene where she's kind of messing it up because she has a pixie cut, and she's trying to tease out those highlights to make them really stand out. So to sum up this of how and when to describe, think yourself When you meet someone, when you're hanging out with someone, when is it that you notice something about their physical appearance? When is the last time that you met someone and immediately noticed their eye color? And do you really think in your head, oh, what delicious chocolate brown eyes those are? Honestly, no one notices brown eyes. Brown eyes are brown sorry to say it, boring. They blend in most often.
1: If he has eyes like the sea after a storm. I don't quite know what that means, but it says something about her more than it does about him. He's got grayish blue eyes.
0: Yay. And that goes for a lot of your descriptions. It tells us more about the person describing them than the person being described. So if you are in a bar and watching for that really attractive person you want to hit on, and you give us a full-blown top-down description, I'm going to think you are a creeper that has stared entirely too long.
1: But if you're noticing heights, skin color, tattoos, interesting markings, then you might be in law enforcement. You might not necessarily be there to pick somebody up at all.
0: You may be looking for someone to arrest.
1: And of course, if you're most of my characters, you are seeing somebody and their posture, where they sit, what kind of awareness they have of their surroundings because you're assessing a threat level. You don't really care what color their skin is. You care if they watch when somebody comes in the front door.
0: So who is your character and what would they notice? That's how you decide when and how much to describe. So what about a landscape? A lot of the same principles apply here. It's when the characters would notice the landscape. If there is a new location, so they just arrived at this beautiful meadow covered with wildflowers, you can go a little bit into describing it.
1: One of the times when I am doing scene setting, it is intentional. I am mentioning intentional objects because then later when they pick up the vase and smash it into the bad guy's face... I don't need to describe the vase or where it is because I've already done that. A lot of my scene setting is for an upcoming fight.
0: That is when it's relevant to the story. The object or the thing that was described is going to be used. Remember Chekhov's gun. If you describe it, it needs to come into play somehow.
1: I always remember the Disney Renaissance animation style where you've got like Aladdin going into the genie's cave. And you've got piles of gold and this and that, and then one object in front that's traced differently.
0: (laughs) And then you know exactly what's going to move because it's slightly brighter colors and more defined edges. And fewer textures, you notice? Yes, way fewer textures. (laughs) And another time to describe a landscape is if there's world building to be done. In the Stormlight Archive series, there's quite a bit of landscape description because the world is different than ours. You have to describe that so your readers can get a good image of what's going on. But be careful. You can go too far. Tolkien. Don't go full Tolkien. Love his storytelling. His descriptions are too much. So what about sequels? How do you describe things you've already described in a previous book?
1: There are two different kinds of sequels. We've talked about that before. One is an episodic where you can just pick out anyone, such as the Jack Reacher series, in which case he has basically one sentence that he uses in all of them, where he gives his height, weight, and hair color. But it's very brief, and we just sort of go with it for the rest of the time.
0: Even if it's serial, You go on the assumption that your readers have forgotten. They will need a reminder, but not an entire breakdown. Believe it or not, there are people out there in the world that read book two or three before they ever read book one. So you do need something, but it doesn't have to be a full-blown description. Your readers can make something up in their mind without a description, Let them. Let them use their imaginations because it makes them more connected to the story. You don't
1: want to lose your fans from the original book because you're wasting their time in the second book.
0: You do, however, want to make specific mentions if something has changed between those books. So I mentioned earlier that my main character likes to dye her hair. So in the first book, she has black hair with green highlights and In the book I'm writing now, she has slightly longer hair and it's purple. And I make a specific mention of that change, just so I make sure the readers don't look at that and go, wait, did I miss something? I thought there was something different earlier, different before.
1: Yeah, you don't want them to catch you in a continuity error because you're just changing things from book to book. Acknowledging the previous book or the previous state is a way to transition with a clean slate.
0: So overall, descriptions are good. They can really add to your story. But don't overwhelm your readers. Brief descriptions are good. One to two things at a time, because that's what we notice. It all comes back to,
1: is your reader enjoying the book? Are they feeling bogged down, or are they getting immersed in the details? That circles back to how you are writing it, if you don't remember, leave it out. Move on. If you are writing because you think someone else thinks you need to have this in here, that's always dangerous, especially on your first draft. Because really, what you should be doing is
0: writing selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing.